Angela, how's it going? Well, now that I finally got on the stream, it's going. <laughs> yeah, we would uh, we'd have been live a long time ago, but uh, Dean's hamsters in the background weren't uh, spinning fast enough to get this internet going. So we <laughs> added a couple of uh, squirrels from outside to help uh, with the bury the load of that internet. So it should spectrum, be good now, right? Spectrum just raised the rates too, so they must be doing something with me. Well, they're raising the rates to uh, to get half the internet. That's that's good old capitalism, right there, baby. Is that really Mike Pinozo? It is. I think we met. No one would stand in for me, so it's got to be me. <laughs> and he's the only Mike that's worthy of being on this podcast today. That is correct. The only Mike. <laughs> I'm the only Mike allowed. <laughs> Angela, uncover your eyes. All right. Let's roll. What do you want to talk about? All good stuff, I hope. Well, we got to start off with some good news. You know, the only good news we're going to be talking about the entire day today, the only time you're going to be happy, Dean. Congratulations. You got inducted into the Wisconsin Billiards Hall of Fame this year. Congratulations, buddy. A lot of bribes, a lot of bribes and promises finally got it done. <laughs> yeah, apparently you, you spent so much on bribes that you couldn't even afford internet anymore. Yeah, well, I had to cut back somewhere. That and food. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not food. <laughs> well, do you do you want to do you want to take a couple seconds to talk about your career and my why you career? got inducted into it? Oh my goodness, where do you start? Um, my good friend Randy Keel just passed a few months ago. Got me into running tournaments with him at his mom and dad's bar in Houstonford, Wisconsin, back in the seventies, I believe. I'm from Wisconsin. Or where? Houstonford, my home, my hometown. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, then we took that to a bigger village of Climbing. Where? Uh oh. Ah ha ha! Wasted his only two good minutes a, of uh, team tournaments there. And... <laughs> oh, he's back! Come on. Richfield Chalet had a Brugeau and a boys' cup and everybody. When he had great tournaments there, and then in '97 I went to uh, Lake. Of That's where he went, huh? <laughs> this is fun. You're going to need to save him for specific questions. George's Casino and started. Um, the I'm so glad my internet's working right now. <laughs> yeah, all of ours is working perfectly. This is great, except for uh, Dean's, I guess. You guys go. Don't worry about my career. That's great. Yeah. Well earned. Perfect. Well earned. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, uh, let's let's jump in. I guess uh, let's let's start with the first question. We just got uh, we just well, got done with the Northern Lights Casino Tournament. Uh, congratulations! It, it went pretty well. Uh, I guess did you have any takeaways from that event, Angela? Uh, well, lots. And actually. also, you did pretty well. So, congratulations I, on yeah, today. I'm still on cloud nine. That that was a performance I did not expect out of myself. Um, had a few of the, the very top players say a few words to me that I'm probably going to, um, smile on those comments for months to come. Um, because it was for me, yeah, it was definitely my best performance in an event against some very seasoned top players, um, in some matches that, yeah, I'm still, I'm still kind of on cloud nine. Um, other than that, I'd never actually been to that 
um, area before. The I've never played in a tournament at a casino. I've never even been to Vegas. That tells you how new I am to all of this. So for these experiences, I'm still kind of a the new person and the rookie, and um, it's it's fun. So the venue was beautiful. The people were so nice. It was really great to see everybody after such a long time. So uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And yes, I know you're going to go there. And yes, I did do the stream, uh, a lot of that with the help of Lonnie. Um, and I've seen some of the stuff on the podcast you had the other day. The casino actually was going through some, some network changes at the same time. And so when we got there, we actually had to make a decision whether or not to go ahead and do the stream, even though we know it wasn't going to be the quality we wanted or not do it at all. Some of the, we invited a number of juniors to the event. I think that was my favorite part is seeing these young kids. They some are- of the, Some of the marketing that came out of that was amazing. They are so impressive. They showed up so well and they're so young. And I just, it actually makes you jealous because when you get to a certain age, you wish you could go back. Like if I played that good at 12 years old, can you imagine? Anyway, but some of the parents and family and all those people and their sponsors really wanted a stream. And so we decided to turn it on. Um, it would have been very different if things they weren't going through some things at the same time. So but I do want to say at one point, because we multicast it, we had more viewers than some streams are getting on the Facebook today. We had over a thousand viewers at one point with the multicast. So somebody liked it or enjoyed watching it to some point. But um, so I do apologize to the fans if it was a little bit difficult to watch, if it maybe it was a little choppy, it wasn't supposed to be, but I'm glad that they tuned in anyway. So. I, how can you not? I mean, there's some of the, the best women's players in the world. Yeah. They're, now, how awesome is it to be able to see Kelly Fisher and Allison Fisher play pool against each other again? And be right there. I am a lucky person and I know it. I'm very grateful. Fun so. stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. Well, Mike, do you have any questions on it? No, I don't, but I do, I do want to just, you know, for people who are checking in, watching, tuning in, you know, they should know that Angela is not only uh, one of the players, but is a, a member of the WPBA board, uh, you know, along with Dean, who is the WPBA president of the board, uh, board director of the board, right? Chairman yeah. of the board. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that which is why we're all getting together today to discuss some topics that were, were kind of front of mind uh, at the start of the event in Minnesota. So I just want to make sure we set the stage properly. Yeah, I am. I'm newly elected to the board. I've been on the board for two months. That tells you how long that's been. So thrown into the fire, trying to learn as much as I can, as fast as I can. Um, and I've actually just, I've been part of the tour only for a couple of years. This was my fourth event. So, um, so I'm still new to it all and I ask a lot of questions um, and I'll answer what I can. And, it, you know, if we had a good host here, that would have been uh, said from the beginning, I suppose. <laughs> I just I just I just know Dean and Angela. Hey, and you introduced Dean, but you didn't introduce me. Yes. Well, that needed to be done. Hey, lots I just of I just know Dean and Angela so well. I just assume everybody else does, too. What can I say? <laughs> know each other, but other people are like, who is this chick? We don't know who this is. So thanks. I appreciate that. Okay. And please don't even bother introducing me because I don't want any more of those posts with my name on it and the emoji with the guy in the hand in front of his face shaking his head. Oh, I don't I, need any. I don't need any more of those. I miss those. I'm sorry, I miss those. <laughs> Probably for the best. So. Can you guys hear me now? Yep. Yes. Oh, okay. I think I found a way to know when I'm on and not. There's a little 
icon in the corner with all green uh, signals that tells me I might be live. So okay, yeah, that'll help. Did you run outside and grab a couple extra squirrels to? Uh, to yeah, get that the squirrel going? population in my uh, subdivision is down by three. <laughs> well, I you know for three every three squirrels equals one <laughs> hamster, so you're doing good. Oh, and I immediately have to thank little Chris for throwing up the hand over the face emoji in my honor. Thank you. All right, little Chris is good for that. He's always, he's always here for us. He's, he's always make, yeah, yeah yeah he's always good. All right, so uh, let's jump into I um I guess let's let's just jump into I guess the deep end and let's talk about the contract because uh, we've if if we're talking about the WPBA contract we're we've gotten a lot of things that are right some of them are not right and I think we should probably just clear it up from the beginning so that we know exactly where we're at uh, I got this wrong uh, so uh, I guess Angela well yeah Dean I guess your your connection's good right now so I can ask. Well, maybe it's not. I'll try if I if I kick out if I kick. Sure. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I don't. I won't say private because it's not. We. we... Come on, squirrels. <laughs> We've based it around picking the top solo hall of famer. <laughs> squirrels, the squirrels are bad at this game. That are active and the top 32 in the okay. W. Not, not very often. Uh, few and far between. All right, Angela, maybe you should just go so ahead at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as good at this because I'm two months in. But um, the contract has, a, and what we called it is the pro list players. Um, and there's some statements on the other uh, podcast about that being just top six. Angela, yeah, pro list is not just, anyway. it's not as simple as that. If people have performed consistently for a long period of time, so they're either they're, uh, which I don't understand all the Hall of Fame stuff, but if they're a Hall of Famer, um, and they've, they've, which I, from what I understand is a very prestigious accomplishment. So the skill level on that is very high. If they've consistently performed um, in the top um, ranking system for five years. Um, and then I think it just as includes the current uh, top 16. So I did a little bit of math with that because for me, I want to understand and I do read the comments and I do listen to what people say. Um, those particular players looking at what we currently um, have signed, so players that have actually signed the agreement and are currently playing on the tour, 85% of the people on the tour, it does not affect at all. And so it's for a very select few, um, you know, that are on the tour that, that fit very much in just that category. So I wanted to clarify that first. Okay. So when we're saying hall of fame, are we talking about which hall of fame? Are we talking about the BCA hall of fame? I think so. I think so. I don't have it right now. Do you know that? Wish, wish indeed. I don't know for sure. I, it would be either be BCA Hall of Fame or BCA and WPBA Hall of Fame. Um, but I think, you know, the, the list would be pretty much the same. Uh, there's a few WPBA Hall of Fame players who are not in the BCA Hall of Fame, but I could be wrong on that. It's, I, and apparently I am. Dean, go ahead. <laughs> if, if you can hear me. Yep, yep. we can. Hall of Fame. 
Okay, and and Renee Lyle in the the comments said that as well. So oh. the difference between the the BCA Hall of Fame and the WPBA Hall of Fame, uh, how many how much overlap is there? How much uniqueness is there? Do do either of you know? I actually haven't looked at the list on the BCA Hall of Fame, so I'm not sure. Well, Renee's on the board as well, and she just chimed in WPBA Hall of Fame. So so maybe it's not affected by the BCA Hall of Fame at all. It's just WPBA Hall of Fame. Is that correct? Dean, okay, so just WBBA Hall of Fame members are automatically on that list. Gotcha. Okay, uh, so th so then we're so it's not the top sixteen. Maybe it's the top, you know, somewhere around twenty-five to thirty, something like that. I don't think it's actually quite that many. Not that many. Only a few okay. that that say, for example, aren't you know playing mm -hmm. right now. There's only a couple that aren't playing right now, so they're not in that current rating but they are on the list so it's it, they're legends in my mind i still ask for their autograph when i see them if that tells you anything that's the type of you know couple other exceptions that are on so of course so uh i guess take us through the thought process as to why this is the case i i guess why why do we why do we put with the top 16 to 20 somewhere like that why do we put this uh the speculation on them and I guess, what is the speculation that you put on them and why do you have it in place? So we'll see if, let me let Dean answer that if he's speaking. I'm gonna try. Why do we do this? Yep. We, we as a group um, want to better the sport. And uh, we, in order to do that and to have like tournaments that add 20, 30, 40, $50,000, we need to not let our top level players go and play in a thousand dollar or two thousand dollar added tournament because why would these other venues ever put up that money it's we're, the players have value and angela will tell you this they have value and together as a unit they have more value so yeah so for me realizing that that all of the members yes um have a value and i think you know when you look at the comparison and some of the men's and I saw a tournament recently where the total money added was upwards of $20,000 for the men's events. And for the women's, it was $500. And I think that, you know, that discrepancy, we are a player's organization representing the players, doing everything we can to make that $500 added something more substantial is something that, that they want to participate and play in. And we're doing it on their behalf as a group. So the board does everything possible to make it so that, you know, these venues or these places that want to bring them tournaments compensate them fairly based on their value they are in my opinion i'm a female player but they play at an extremely high skill level and they're worth more than what some places want to offer and so as a group we're just trying to get them compensated for the value that they're worth okay so then one one last question based off of that dean uh you're the one who actually does a lot of the setup for these events take us through what it actually i guess takes to actually get one of these events to happen well, sometimes it's us finding a venue. Sometimes it's a venue contacting us. And I think the latter is more of what's happened. I mean, while I was at Northern Lights, I was approached with like four different options for, for new uh, tournaments next year. So what we have to do is wade through them and decide which are going to be the best ones if we're going to limit the schedule or we're going to expand from 10 to 15 to 20. But by doing that, we have to be careful because it costs money to attend these events. I mean, let's be honest, you know, it's not cheap to go to an event when you have, if you have to fly to it and have a hotel room and, and also the entry fee. 
that being the case, are you done, Dean? Because I think he froze up. I don't know if there was more there. We're not there. You know, yeah. I'm just going to jump right in here with some yeah, of these, with some of these comments. One 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 poster in particular, who questioning what value Angela has, or that Angela is not a top yeah. 25 player, and she's making comments, or she's making decisions based on the top 25 players, is really so ridiculously out of line and um, off track that it's almost not worth mentioning, but it's just kind of irritating. Um, you know, do you want to have the board be made up only of the top five players and they're going to make the decisions for everybody else? Or Isn't that what happened to the men? Mixed, do, you have a, do you have a board mixture of players who try to think of everybody as a whole and do what's best for the group? So, Isn't that kind of what happened to the men? The men decided that they, that their top players would run it and the, next thing you know, they they completely blew every, everything is, up. I mean, men are the perfect example for why the WPBA is important to exist. So, but... That said, I will say philosophically, Dean and Angela, I understand the uh, the thought process that you want to leverage your talent as a whole to get someone to invest in your group. Okay, but it's also hard to argue with someone who would say, "But what what is that? You know, for one, did the Northern Lights Casino say, "Wait a second, where's Simming Chen?" You know, did they know she was not there? Did they, did, did they really, would they really know that, that Kelly Fisher was playing two weeks from now in a $500 ad tournament in Ohio? Uh, and it would, would it really stop them from investing in a big WPBA event if the WPBA's leverage was instead say, we guarantee that, our, that 20 of our top 24 players will be at every event? Is that not enough? Because... If you're withholding opportunity from players, even at the top, there's not enough money, even in a 10-player tour, to make pool a living for the top anyone outside of the top two. You'd have to admit that, given costs and whatever. So, so what's the rationale that that makes you think that that you would lose all that leverage by allowing number 12 or number 10 or number 13 to try to make income in other events and, and promote the WPBA and whatever it is, what's, what's the argument against that? We'll see if Dean's squirrels are working. That was a really long question. I understand that. Just go one. He's like six bullet points later. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, Dean. Nope. There you go. Go ahead. Quick, Wait. fast. <laughs> yeah. Fast, fast, fast. Um, you, you can say that, but we don't know. We don't know. Okay, we're so close. <laughs> we were so close, close to getting an answer. <laughs> <laughs> this is tough action, this. Who, with the, let's see these venues, casinos. Oh. Hello? Yep. yep, we got you. Oh, God. So we don't know if the people from these casinos or venues are going to figure that out or not, but I don't want to go down that road and, and lose some large contracts by a group of the top players going and playing in a small event. I mean. But but that was never the case before in the WPBA that I'm aware of, even during the heyday of having all the ESPN events and having a dozen or more uh, classic tour events. I don't think they ever 
had something in contract that prevented them from playing in another event or did they maybe i'm wrong they did this contract is not even close to some of the contracts that used to be i was around for it i saw them i i have asked a lot of questions of that because i'm new to the board i'm only two months in and so i've looked back at some of that and i've asked them um actually not just some but a lot i've done as much research as i possibly can uh, there used to be a very very long list of of yeah. very specific things for players years ago it was much much more extensive and so this is this is tiny in comparison um and i also did some research of, of things maybe overseas i'm just trying to get familiar with how this works being new and looking at you know other tours that run successfully internationally and things like that and this type of wording actually is not uncommon and so that was that helped me kind of as I as I joined the board to kind of understand what it is we're talking about and why. Because I asked the same questions that you did. I started in just trying to understand it all. This is not uncommon, but it used to be, oh my goodness, completely different. And for me, it's hard. I took 19 years off of playing pool, so I don't have the history. Um, so it's hard for me. I can only go back and ask. And and this is extremely minimal. It only affects a small percent. And I think it is very needed. We're trying to build something up. And as you can see, and I, I loved your comments the other day and I appreciate them so very much. I did listen to you. We are trying to build something up and it does take time. And I think it's a fluid situation where, you know, if something works, we're gonna continue to do it. If it doesn't, we're gonna tweak it and try something new. But I think the board, like you said, I know people might not have the greatest comments about me. I'm down here. I totally know that I'm down here on the list, but I'm a full-time mom and I work full-time. Pool is not what I do all the time. I love where I'm at and I'm so content with it. But, um, you know, it, the board is, is made up of people that have 30 years experience, like Dean, and then someone like me that's very new, we get different perspectives. And I think that's really good. So we work together well, and I, I see progress, and I hope we continue to have progress. And we're going to work through it, you know, as it goes, and we'll change if we need to. So it's, you know, it, just because something is exactly one way today doesn't mean it'll be the same tomorrow. We're going to look at, you know, opportunities as they come forward. Well, that kind of branches into my next question, which is, so uh, I get the idea. Okay. So to sum up your argument, as far as the, the top 20, 24, however many players it is in this, in this uh, pool, the idea is you're trying to maintain what you have right now without risking the, uh, the potential of losing it by allowing your players to go out and basically dilute down the product of having these great women play in these great events. That's essentially the argument. You're trying to maintain the prestige of these women playing in a tournament for everybody. So the idea is at what point do we decide that the $25,000 added events are no longer worth it? So the idea is, I think the Northern Lights, correct me if I'm wrong, it was $25,000 added? And it was a classic event, which would be 20, I believe. Yeah. So this is a $20,000. So my question to you is, can Northern Lights add 50,000? Can they add 80,000? As we're growing, right? Hopefully we're at a point now where like, and Predator is showing this with their tour, which is, of course, you guys, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. You guys are partnering with them for additional tour stops, which is absolutely fantastic. I love the idea of that. You're going to have to, you know, get with the other people that are also doing great things and try to find a way to work together. You guys are doing that. I love it. Is a $20,000 added event uh, at Northern Lights with this kind of criteria uh, worth it in the long run as you grow and as you develop? And is Northern Lights going to be able to add enough 
and not just Northern Lights, but the idea of the Northern Lights, going to be able to add enough money to an event like this that you're going to be able to justify this contract as you go forward and maybe the events are 60,000 added or 70,000 added because predators adding more to their events. We would love to see more for the women. We would love to see, you know, hundred thousand dollar added events in the future for the women. How can you guys justify this type of contract going forward? Uh, if these casinos and these smaller venues are not able to continue adding the amount of money needed to maintain the status quo. Dean, maybe. Can you hear him? Like Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. <laughs> Talk fast, buddy. Talk fast. <laughs> Faster. Faster. We <laughs> <laughs> need him to mime. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is kind of yep. a, a, a Dean question almost explicitly. But maybe maybe is you it, want to take it on, Angela. I'm too new to, to – I mean, I'm just – You know, to answer for you. I still have a lot to, to learn. So two months in, it's kind of rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I understand what you're saying too, Nate. And, and to me, it almost begs the we question can. even more. Oh, there we go. He's why, you know – the point of the restrictions at this point. Okay, if you get to the point where you're going to add 50, 80,000, they start telling you, we don't want to see this person face in another tournament, then you've got some decisions to make. But but it's it's hard to argue that they're there right now. Um, and it's hard to argue that, um, you know, these players, you know, Angela, you're, you're a great example of someone who wants to play and loves it for the game, but has a full-time job and, and as a mother and, and all that stuff, there, there are players on here who want this to be their living. Yeah, this is what they want to do, right? So, if if what's on the schedule this year does not allow them to do that without other opportunities, it, it's hard to justify, you know, making that decision to me. And so, so it's 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 hard for me to say, you know, to. Ashley Burroughs or or Brittany Bryant or someone like that that um, you know yeah you're just going to have to be satisfied this year with two thousand dollars a tournament for finishing fifth and sixth uh, over ten tournaments which is twenty thousand dollars and your expenses were eighteen good luck with your future so it just it just becomes kind of one of those situations like okay what's we understand I understand philosophically what you're trying to do and I'm a hundred percent behind a players association making group decisions and sticking to them. But it just seems it just seems like a hard argument to make. So I this is the thing. I don't necessarily agree with everything you said. What See. I do <laughs> in my short couple of years coming back to pool, um, I do know I do have a lot of friends obviously that I've made. And I do have a lot that are at an extremely high skill level. And I do know that when they go to some of these, we'll just say more amateur events, they walk in the door Everybody in the room goes, oh, it's that like, look who just showed up type of thing. And they have an auction and that person goes for $2,000 when everyone else goes for 20. And their complaint to me, and it's, it's some of them, it's in the men's side. And they're like, you know, we, you know, they play at a very high skill level and they're trying to do what you just said, make a living playing pool. But in that circumstance, if they don't win that event, even if they win it, they walk away with hardly anything. If they don't win it, they walk away at the negative. I think that pool for me, when I played when I was young, I was 17. I'm no longer 17. <laughs> I'm getting really old. You could see the, you know, the wrinkles. It was such a different environment back then. And there was a lot more opportunity 
I think, for people to play pool as a living, per se. And then I took, you know, this almost 20 year break and I come back into it and it's so different. I don't I just say it gently. I the amount of pool halls that you could go to and play out them at events that everything is so much less and so much harder. Um, and I completely understand what you're saying. At the same time, the ladies that I've got to know on the WPBA tour that do play at a very high level, they don't just play pool for a living. Pool is, is hard to make very few. And I think in this extremely small amount of people actually make pool or make a living playing pool. They might own an establishment and they do that or they have another company where they sell something from. I know them all personally at this point and just going to a tournament and playing their game is not the only income that they have because even for them at a very high school level, whether internationally or here in the States, it's still hard. So what the kind of question that you're asking, I think is what the sport faces as a whole. It's difficult. And gosh, do I wish I had a magic, you know, a crystal ball so I could figure it all out. Yeah. Do I, do I brainstorm? I literally stare at myself in the mirror. Like, what can we do? because I think the sport just struggles. Um, I know some statistics on billiards and I've been trying to do my research. If you look at the average age of a pool player 20 years ago, it might've been 32 years old. If you look at the average age of a pool player today, it's 42 years old. And I think that's, you know, that's the chat For the women. I billiards. think that's for the women, right? Yeah, of the game. We're all facing that <clears throat> issue, trying to keep a sport alive that we all love. And it's hard. Yeah, I guess there wasn't a there wasn't a women's player in the top. I'm not sure how Brittany how old Brittany Bryant is. I think she's she's pretty young though, right? She's maybe not going to give not, anybody's age. Are you crazy? Fair, <laughs> fair, fair. None of the look at it. I, I think only two of the top seven or two of the yeah. top eight are under the age of forty. Yeah, I'm getting old. It was so that's why we're kind of. We're making a, a very conscious effort to try to get juniors and some of these younger players, give them something that they want to participate in. And that is a really big goal. Um, and I'm really glad that, that a bunch of them came. I was so impressed by them. Uh, and I hope we can continue that trend. I think that's they're the future of our sport. Um, and whatever we can do to make it attractive to them is what's really most important right now. Sure. And I, I, I guess you have some pretty good sponsors correct me if i'm wrong i think you have a couple pretty good people in your uh that are I, helping you out with the events maybe a couple that i've had I, viking cues actually was a sponsor of mine when i was young they i played in wisconsin um and they found me in wisconsin when i was when i yeah really young and so they remembered me actually almost 20 years later when i got them on the phone again the same people they knew my name so it's a, it's a really important relationship for me um, and the Q Cove of Lexington is where my best friend lives. And I met the owner there and we just have a really good connection. I love to play there, but I have my first outside of that, my first real sponsor just a month ago, uh, which has never happened to me before in my entire career playing pool. And that's uh, Napa North American pool shooters association and billiard life, which is a sister company of theirs. So yeah, I do, but that's a first and it's still new for me, but I'm very proud that I actually have, I have my first real one. So <laughs> So I guess those younger players that you're talking about, you know, 12 to 16 to 18, you know, that kind of the next generation we're trying to build. Um, if they haven't had the opportunity to build those lifelong sponsors like you've had, and they, you know, they're kind of on here on their own dime or their, you know, their parents are helping them or whatever it is. Um, 
when they go back to their hometowns, wherever they're at, and they're not able to play in their local events, I think that's that's the part that I think a lot of people struggle with. Because like you have had a, you've had a lifetime to be able to build these sponsors, and a lot of these younger women have not had that opportunity yet. And some of them might have sponsors anyways, and some of them might not. And it, it's it's got to be hard for them to be able as 12, 13 years old. You can't even legally have a job to be able to come up with the finances to be able to to do these events, right? So yeah, if they but- don't have sponsor, and they don't have parents that will support them. Yeah. How 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 are we able to justify the idea that they won't be able to play maybe in their local tournaments to be able to get there as far as building the next generation? Well, right now, none of those players are restricted from anything, and neither am I. I, I suppose this. Yeah, uh, I suppose. Yeah, it's none, OK. None of them. It's a very select few. And I mean, they've had a long and that's the thing. It's it's not about it's a level of consistency. These people that are on that pro list have been consistent for a really long time. It's not going to apply to those juniors unless they, you know, come in and for the next however many years, just knock it out of the park. Would I love to see that? Yeah. Cause that's going to be great for our sport and that's going to be great for growth for our sport. Um, so, and they've definitely got the talent. So, but right now, no, n- none of those individuals are, have any issues playing in anything. So, and right. I do. Now you can't, yeah. you can't refuse an invite to a WPBA tournament and play another event at the exact same time and put it on, you know, when you got an invite for a WPBA tournament, that's the time it applies, but that really seems you know, incredibly unfair. So. Yeah, it's yeah. I agree that's- with that. Um, <laughs> so the, is, is it possible to get a public list of who these players are? Maybe it's, it's on- a, maybe. A- WPBA.com. Yeah. It's on the website. Oh, so, okay. So yeah, it's all, it's all on there. Everything's on there. Current rankings but, uh, and pro list players. They're all there. So maybe you didn't know, and it is on here. You do. It does show up. So there are two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 30, 30 players. Not all of them are active players. Of course. They just, um, and some of them, you know, might not be playing anymore. I think one of them's retired. So there's like Gerda. Um, she's not playing. Yeah. There's a recognition. It's kind of a, you know, to get to that point, it's a certain prestige and so if they're not playing or retired, they're still on there. So I say retired, Mike, you're laughing. Can you not retire from? <laughs> Efren's been retiring for nine years. Oh my gosh. I know. And I got to see him at the Derby. He can still play. <laughs> yeah. It's not necessarily an age thing. Cause you know, I'm getting up there and can still play just a little, but. So let me ask you this question. Cause um, I asked this question to, and uh, on the, on the Tuesday podcast and Mike, Mike kind of verified it, but I want to make sure that it's right. Part of this is uh, in what was it? 2014, 2013, whatever it was, whenever the, I don't know if I can throw out names, but I'm just going to do it anyways. The NAPT uh, broke away from the, uh, the WPBA and part of the contract uh, Mike, kind of verified this maybe you can maybe you know maybe you don't but part of this is kind of to uh not allow the opportunity for two women's professional organizations to dilute the product so part of this is to try to keep all of the players in one grouping uh so that you are able to you know talk about exactly what dean was talking about with as far as creating a prestigious product as that goes away, because I don't know if the NAPT is still operating. I haven't seen anything from them for a while. I don't know either. Uh, 
is this contract going to still be required if there is no theoretical competition to the WPBA as an actual tour? So NAPT, I don't know a whole lot about. I heard, I've asked questions and some people and everything I hear is something different. Um, So I'm not completely sure. I do know that um, right when I started, it was one of those things where they, in my opinion, and this is this was as a complete rookie, and I had no idea what I was doing. We're trying to be what the WPBA is, and Correct. give pro. That's event. my understanding of it. Now, I'm an I'm I'm getting up there in age. When I was young, all I ever knew of was the WPBA. It was where you wanted to be. It was the level that you wanted to reach to, which is why I consider myself very grateful to be just a, pl- a player one, but on the board two. It's something that I have dreamt of my entire life. So when I saw that, it's it's kind of like what you said. It's like a competition to try to, I would do everything in my power to make sure that no one could take away my lifelong dream of being on the WPBA. Because from what I understand, it is the longest standing professional women's tour in existence. And I mean, it has a presence that no one else has ever been able to touch. I would say um, it's probably the longest of anything, yeah. men or women, right? The players organization, I think, and there are some men and you guys can answer this because I don't know being so new to all of this, but it's something where I think the women are really lucky that they have somebody that's working on their behalf as a players organization. The men have wanted this for a really long time and wish they had it. And so, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, true, but for the betterment of the sport, but I think the NAPT was something like that in competition. I don't know if they're still doing anything now. I know I saw an event of theirs locally that, um, you know, I showed up to and they, they didn't have, it was certainly not like a WPBA tournament. I'll just put it that way. So um, players organization, I think at this point, in my opinion, is very important. I see a lot of benefit in it. You guys can kind of chime in your two cents on that, but. Yeah, I don't, I've never argued, you know, and it's, it's one of the reasons I, I tried to defend what the WPBA is doing is that, you know, it's a players association. So you have a group of players who are elected, like elected officials anywhere, and you make group decisions, what you think is in the best interest of everybody, because as a group, you have some leverage. Never argue with that. The men have tried that a million times and they can't get out of their own way. And so the men are, you know, they're freelancers, but they're still hostage to the promoters. Promoters do what they want, tell them what they want, tell them to be where they want, and the men can't do anything about it but show up. So, yeah, should the men have a players association? There's not a decent sport in the world professionally that doesn't have a players association. So um, I've always thought that that was the WPBA's greatest strength was that they did try to do things in a unified manner. doesn't mean that all their decisions are going to be right in my mind, <laughs> and all, but but you, you make your decisions as a group and you stick to them. And if, if the players don't like it, then the players stage an uprising and you change board of directors and you get different decisions made. Go ahead. Your hand Cause you said something there. So being new to the board, I actually, um, because it's a, a player's organization, I listen to the players. And I think that some of the comments and things that have gone on in the last, you know, few weeks with, um, you know, certain individuals and things, it, it does not apply to most of the members because I do value their input and being new to the board, I call them and I ask them, so what do you think about this? So what's your take on this? And, um, you know, we just had this event and I got to talk to everybody and kind of get thoughts and opinions from everybody. 
And if you look at this, the organization holistically, the players are on board with, with as I said that, I'm going to say two words at the same time, on board with what the board is doing. They're in agreement and they see the benefit and they're, they're taking part in that because it's a players organization. We're doing it on their behalf. So I can tell you there's absolutely not, it's not like everyone comes in the room and is pushing back on all the things that the board is doing. They see the growth, they understand the reasoning and they're participating in it together with us. So it's very much a family and, you know, I hate for someone to think that being on the board that I'm constantly getting bombarded with negativity from all the players. That's not the case. Um, they love what we're doing and they're continuing to kind of participate and offer help in any way that they can to continue to make it grow. So it's a very, very limited view. I want to make sure people understand that everybody's very happy. We had a great time. I mean, I wish everybody could attend them because we do have a lot. We have a lot of fun and compete at the same time. Well, and they, they all signed the contract, so you they, know. They did. So it's so that, that says that that, yeah. it's a, that that it's a group acting as a group. It is you know, very much. Uh, I'm still not 100 sure I agree with the contract. Is the only problem. I know. Uh, but you know, it's just it's one of those situations. So uh, again, you know, I just struggle with the idea that um, you know Northern Lights would change their idea on staging a tournament if you know someone played in another tournament. Um, you know, as long as those other tournaments couldn't market that they're going to get all the top WPBA pros, then you know, it's just hard to see where the where the problem is there because it's there's just not enough money to um, you know to to give them the living that they want to do. Um, so, I know. had my first, we'll say, <clears throat> negotiation for an event, being on the board not too long ago, and it was an eye-opening experience for me because I basically got the comment of, well, why would I add this substantial amount of money when I can get them to show up for this much? And that was really hard um, when you're fighting on behalf of all of these incredible players to try to get an event, um, a great event for someone to say that. So I can tell you that, you know, there are reasons for things right now it certainly does not help me in, in being on the board and having a new negotiation with an event for them to think, well, I can have whatever I want for next to nothing. I can get all of these players to show up for pocket change when the value of these players is much more than pocket change. And so it well, is the value is the value is more than pocket change if they group together is what you're saying. Yeah. But I mean, if, if we're not doing this together, it, it, it wouldn't work. And you can imagine what it would look like if this player's organization did not exist. Imagine that free for all and that same thing you just said, Mike, where the promoters would own them. And I don't, none of them want to be in that position. So, you know, I think, I think there's a point where people have to realize that, you know, if they're not the one trying to negotiate these events and trying to grow a tour, this is not easy. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Nobody on the board is paid. I remember somebody made a comment about padding our pockets. No. <laughs> I don't know where they get that from. I don't know where somebody thinks there's magic money. You, you don't know where half of this stuff comes from. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Nobody is paid for anything. Everything that the board does, me included, is not, we're not, there's no money. There's nobody being paid. It's a volunteer organization. And when we look at these events, you know, it goes back to the players. So, you know, you look for sponsorships outside of events and things like that to help cover expenses and things like that. Because obviously this is a professional tour. There are expenses. But nobody's paid. Nobody's padding anyone's pockets. 
goodness gracious, I love it if I quit you know, my job and play pool and be a board member for a living. That's not the case. And so that was kind of offensive to, to think that someone, you know, to accuse the board of, of patting their pockets when it is definitely not. So I just, I believe very strongly in what, in what the board and the tour, um, I hope that, you know, a year from now, this is a very different conversation that we're having. Well, and that's, and that's kind of what I was getting at with, um, I understand this contract. I I'm kind of in the same boat as, um, as Mike on this. I'm not as, I'm not as far on the other side of it as others, but I, I, I don't know if I like the contract for the idea of the, it, it makes more sense if you're trying to stomp out or like stomp out competition, like the NAPT. I think we could, I think everybody can agree. That, and I've said this on my podcast on different episodes. I think the competition is fantastic. Um, I think that all of these kind of, uh, smaller tournaments across the U.S. Uh, you know that are like real events. They're they're absolutely huge money added events, but they they end up getting like six or seven pros that show up to them because there's other better events that are going on. Uh, you know, I won't start throwing out names. I've done it in the past, but the idea is the competition is good because it's going to have the cream rise to the top. I think that whenever you get multiple events that have, uh, you're basically splitting up your players to go. Some go here, some go there, and you're you're just gonna you're gonna end up getting two tour or two tournaments that are like half as good as what they would have been. It's good to get rid of that competition. So I, I like I like the idea of the contract as far as like just getting one organization that has all of the best women's players in the world, and if you want to, or at least the best U.S. Yeah. players and the best Canadians, the best some of the best Europeans. You you'll know you'll never get uh, it'll never be like a Euro tour because you're never gonna get you know, players like a Ina Coplin or, you know, uh, 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 Kabaraglu over coming over here for one of the WPBA events. I'm guessing. Sorry. Yeah, it was impressive. The name that how well you say those, that was impressive. Oh, thanks. I've been practicing. I can't get yeah. the men's names right, but yeah, whatever. Um, I, I mean, I don't think you'll ever, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I agree with, I agree with you. Cause, um, and I think the point that you made that it's hitting me the most is, you can have two tournaments that are eh, or you can have one really big one. And yeah. it does make a difference. When there's and I, yeah. not necessarily, you know, you're trying to look at, at growing it and having more. If you if you split them up and you break them all up, you end up with a bunch of tiny. Yeah. And and I'm kind of putting myself in the 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 shoes of like the Northern Lights Casino. Would I want to add twenty thousand dollars to an event that has um, another tournament with let's, you know, let's just throw out random. Now nah, we won't throw out random names. Let's just say you, you take the WPBA tour and you split it in half and half go here and half go there. Uh, I, I can't, I can't imagine why I would want to pay $20,000 to have half of the players that I could have had. I, I mean, I understand the idea of that. So I, I guess I'm getting to the point where like, I, I agree with the contract as far as stopping out the competition so that the WPBA can be the organization from there. I just, I, I'm struggling to come up with a situation where I can where I can agree that the that clause is still needed. Where you know if if the Texas Open is having a women's event, um, I just I the idea that uh, the the player shouldn't be able to go to that and play in that event. I, I struggle with that. So I think that you know when you look at and this is just me personally. If you look at a room that um, which the thing about billiards that is important is there's not that many pros. I'm not a pro. I play on a pro tour, but I'm not a pro. There's not that many pros. Our sport is filled with, we'll say, just a lot of medium class players, amateurs, whatever you want to call them. I hate giving a label. I really do. I just think that there's, when you look at the the very elite, there's not a whole lot of them, okay? Um, and 
I think what's important, well, you got to hold on one second because I have to sneeze. I have a cold. <laughs> I can complete that sentence. No, I mean, but that's like that's like the idea of this for me is that's where I'm struggling at. I get the idea that if you're trying to stop well, out competition and make it one, I think that's a good idea. But if if you're talking about like one event that happens once a year, a matter, a lady. it's not a matter of stomping out competition. It's a matter of controlling your product uh, if you're if you're in an association. So here here's my here's my example. So my example is you try to control your your product by having the association, right? So. And Dominic says, you know, if you add $20,000, the players will come over the other $500 added events. Got it. Understand it. So, but what I if it's in your backyard? I want to run a tournament and I'm going to add 20,000 to it, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through the WPBA. I'm not going to sanction or, you know, pay her sanction fee. I'm not going to, whatever. I'm just going to have a $20,000 terms and I expect all the top women are going to come. How, how should the WPBA handle that? Sorry. No, I'm asking me. Well, <laughs> well, I, well, that's that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? Is like a if okay. there's going to be no women's event that adds twenty thousand unless it's absolutely like I I mean I just don't see a situation where like uh, there's a twenty thousand dollars added women event that is just like a one time thing. I just don't see where that happens. Maybe maybe it can happen. Maybe I'm wrong on this. Yeah. I just I I just I just don't want to I don't I just don't want to go through the WPBA. So now what does WPBA I, tell us players? Okay, so so then so then let me, let me ask you this: is, is that a one-off? Is that like a one-time thing, or is I that a? After, I wait till after I have a tournament, cyber, I'm gonna have it next year. Doesn't matter, does it? I think it does. I, I think it doesn't. I, I honestly don't think it does matter. I, to me, it doesn't matter because, like, at the end of the day, like, if there's one event well, that here happens, WPVA, you let everybody go play in it, even though it's not a WPVA sanctioned event. <clears throat> If it if it's a one-time thing, yeah, I, I don't see the problem in that. I, I personally, I, I don't. I, disagree angela so, you disagree uh, so yeah because <laughs> you talk about the napt like it's the only competition it's not no yeah. it could be any I, promoter and i i see these guys that own us own places and run whatever and they compete with each other every single day and they run events over top of one another and it's like a constant battle and you know i've done like tried to do a pool calendar once and there isn't co cohesion nobody works together and it's just, it's sometimes it's nasty when you look at it all. I think that that's the benefit of having this players organization is that you get everybody working together. Because if you just look at it and just let it go and it's a free for all, it's messy. And so the NAPT or that example of, of somebody else trying to run a pro tour is not the only competition out there. And these, you know, I don't want, how do you decide which promoter, which venue, which whatever owns what? We don't want them to be the decision makers of okay. this career. They want to be the decision makers of their career and their success. And they're doing it with the help of a player's organization that's working on all their behalves. There's a big difference between that. If we just let these places do whatever they want um, that and they don't agree with each other or they don't work together, I don't think that that would be successful in any in any way for the women, especially. Well, well what I, I what I'm saying is I agree with that. And that's why I don't see it as a threat. Like if you have one person that's running one, like let's oh. just say that the the Texas Open has a women's event every single year, right? So that is, you know, a couple thousand added, whatever. I think last year, Melina Mike did a bunch of work to it to get it up to 5,000 added by uh, James Hanshu donated a bunch of stuff and they basically raised some money off it to make it 5,000 or whatever it was. Uh, but I think the idea of like, like, I just, I just don't see the threat in the Texas Open running a women's event once a year. I just, I just, and we, I can mean, if, disagree. 
which I love. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, right. There we go. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I get the idea. Of, like, but now if the Texas Open decided they wanted to do a monthly tournament, I think that's different. And now you're starting to run into now what's actually competition. But if it's a, like a one-off, I just I struggle with the idea that this is going to damage what you guys are building with what you're doing. And it's not that I think, you know, some of these places they do negotiate events or they do run events. Okay. And they run some big events, but when you're trying to run a very successful tour where you're running regular events consistently every month or more, um, everything, you know, everything matters at that point. It, It can be one thing to organize an event and take, you know, six or nine months to build up a very big, very successful event, but try doing that every three weeks. Sure. And, and that's what Rene said in the, the comments too. I mean, yes, if 50 promoters did that, then it would be like the men's, uh, which the men's have a lot of flexibility, let's say built into what they can do because there are a lot of events <laughs> that they could go to, but that also has the, the problem of being a complete... Hey, well, gets, it also has the problem with being a complete disaster, right? He I mean, gets a point for using a really good word right there. Flexibility. That's I an interesting so way to put it. I, I, I get it. If, if you had 50 different promoters doing that, that, that would definitely dilute down the product. Um, and it would, yes. Okay, I see that. As a, as a one-off, I don't see a problem with it. As you start adding. Well, Dan, what if you talk about the Texas Open? What if Texas Open added 15,000? As a one-off by itself, on the calendar, I don't see it as a problem. If that starts happening once a month with twelve different promoters, then yes, well, I, all, I these, see that all as... these all these casino tournaments are one off. It's once a year. Northern Lights is doing this once a year. Why should right, they bother? It's... Why should they bother dealing with the WPBA? Why don't they just add the money and have a bunch of women come play? So that, I mean, that's my argument it. for I having an organization that is going to protect themselves as a group. And I don't think and there's you know, no yeah. and there's no reason to. And there's no reason to really to protect the the 78th ranked woman on the tour. I not that they're not important to it, but the idea is example of this. Okay, just one example. So, say the Northern Lights Casino wanted to do their event once a year, but there was somebody on that list, somebody within the top 16 they didn't like. If it wasn't that for that players organization, they could say, "Well, I want to cherry pick. I want this one, and I want this one, and I want this one, and this one, but I don't want that one or that one." It does happen, and it can happen. When you have a players' players organization, you're representing all of them as a whole. And so they don't get to. It gets to work on a point system and a ranking system, and it's fair. And everybody gets the opportunity to go to that. When if they're running it by themselves, they would have the option to say, well, we get to pick. Yeah, sure. There's, so, so there's then- think about that people don't think about. But what I want to do is because I'm 54 minutes in and which is what's funny is I do have a job and this is my lunch hour. So <laughs> I only have so much time because I do have to go back to work. But I want to make sure and I appreciate both of you because and your perspective is very important to me. Um, and I want to thank everybody that's that's a fan and that that kind of showed up to watch the stream or showed up to the event in Northern Lights. Um, you know, we, we wouldn't exist without everybody that's that loves the game. But I do want to mention and kind of throw out there because I am on the board and this is a big deal that, yes, next week I'm flying to Vegas for the first time. U.S. Pro Billiard Series, Alpha Women's, 10 Ball, um, and just really excited about that. Yep, got to. I'm sorry, but I got to. Uh, There was a lot of work that went into this new relationship with um, Predator and CSI. And, you know, I hope everybody is, is tuning in and checking out that. Um, I think there's obviously you guys see the growth and this is part of that. Um, 
And I'm scared of that shootout. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I'm scared I, of that shootout. Get practicing. Yeah, practice, practice the spot shot from now until doomsday. Every night from both sides and then move it back and then do it again. It is, an, it is such a different format. And for the ladies that have been playing on the WPBA for when I play nine ball, this is 10 ball. It's different equipment. It's a different game. The shootout's a completely different environment. Um, I'm really excited and then nervous at the same time. If you want some, I've played in two of these events now. If you want some advice on the shootout, yes, let me know. I, I got a couple cheating. I got a couple cheaters oh, for you. You see my face? <laughs> because yeah, shoot, I want, because there are, shoot me a call. Shoot me a call later. I'll help you out with I'm, some I'm with a couple things. Trying to stay consistent and you know doing everything exactly the same every time, but in that yeah, I I'm very <laughs> shoot me a call later. I'll help you out with a couple of. Cheaters that'll help you out a little. What nice Nate is today, Mike. You got any advice for me? Oh, don't once you leave, to I'm gonna Nate. rip it. Yeah, don't listen to Nate. That's don't listen good. to Nate. Oh, <laughs> I didn't hear what you said at first. Wait a minute. I won't call you later. Mike says I shouldn't. Don't listen to Mike. <laughs> listen to you. All right, we'll, we'll let you. We'll let you get out of here, Angela. Um, Mike, you want to hang around and discuss sure. this a little more? Or you sure. want? Okay, Angela, so thank you for your time. Pleasure meeting you. Thank you so very much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully, I didn't, yeah, talk too much. You held up very you, well. You crushed it. Oh, gosh, no, it's a work day and my brain's all over the place, but thank you. I do. It was very nice to meet you, Mike. I hope I get to see you sometime soon. I hope so. Look forward to it. Bye, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Bye bye. Okay. So, so, so I mean, <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just going to come back to this, and I'm sure I'm beating a dead horse. But um, you know, people have to understand what I'm agreeing with is a players association making decisions for a players association, and you know, everybody's arguing that this is you know a players association. It's a bunch of it's it's like four people on a board picking on poor April, and it's not. These are bigger decisions. This is more philosophical on their part. I still don't agree with it 100. percent because I do think that it's that, that hamstringing the top women is the wrong direction to go. I think that the direction to go is more to WPBA determining what events they, you know, it's kind of the same, but it's kind of like what events they can play in that get to a certain level, okay, where they start impacting um, people playing on the WPBA tour. Like I said, if someone had a 15, 20, $25,000 added event, and just didn't want to go through the WPBA, the WPBA should have every right to tell its players, no, 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 you're not playing in that event. They didn't come through us. They have to come through us to sanction the event, right? That I agree with. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Or they should, I don't know, maybe they would. But but this idea that between WPBA events, if there's regional, little small regional events that one or two WPBA players are playing in to try to make ends meet, I don't see that as being a big, a big obstacle. Um, what I would what I would say that WPA should definitely watch out for is events to try to get the bulk of their players because then that does diminish their leverage with a casino or someone else that they want to do business with who says, wait, this guy ran a 20,000 editor, all your players showed up, they didn't have to pay a sanction fee. So that's where I think that they need to find that balance there between leaning on um, players trying to make a little bit of a living and and diminishing their brand or their leverage as a group. I agree with that. I think um, I think the way that they have it right now, it's the all or nothing. Um, it's kind of the way it's being enforced. I, I, I think it's too early for that. Now, I, right. um, I they, had, they had 
They had three events last year, two events, four events, something like a two to four events somewhere in there from last year. Um, and they're up to 10 this year. And I think uh, once you get to the point where I, I get, I get their side of it and I see, I see where they're coming from. And honestly, I, I think uh, I've had a little bit of a change of heart on the idea of the contract. I just didn't see, I just didn't see that, think that it was necessary before, but I, I actually do think that it, you got to have something like this at 10 events. I, I struggle with the idea that it's ready for it yet. I think it has to be there, but what, what do you think the magic number is to where you can like, we agree that right now, might not. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a number of events. That's why, that's why I think they're getting, you know, you know the number of events is what's well, you, a bad deal. Well, because you would agree, you would agree that two events you should not be enforcing this at all. Well, yeah, of course. But even and ten, 10 events, was, even ten events, uh, maybe, you're maybe not. not, you're right? not you, even ten events, you're not uh, making it making a living for all these players. And, and 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 let's forget the the idea that that women's pool realistically women are going to make their living on pro tours. It's not going to happen. Likely, very likely. Certainly. So. Um, Kelly, so you got to you got to allow some leeway. You got to allow some slack, right? I think again, it's more about who you do business with that that uh, that allows you to dis, to to restrict your players from playing in certain events. You know, just saying, listen, it's not a you know, it's, this isn't a WPBA event, and it's at this level of money added, you can't play in with it unless they deal unless they come through us. Okay. And I don't know, maybe that's a number. Maybe it's 20,000 added. Maybe it's 15,000 added. 15,000 added seems like reasonable amount. But you know, you get to smaller regional tournaments. You know, if there's a 5,000 added tournament in in Texas, every WPBA player is not going to go racing off to Texas because you got to finish first or you're not going to make money. So so it's not diminishing their tour or their product that much to me. What would diminish their product, again, and say it again, is if someone had a $20,000 tournament and said, F the WPBA, I'm just running it because the women are like the men. If I throw big enough money at it, they're all going to come no matter what. Okay, now you've lost your players association value. So that's that's what I'm trying to argue on behalf of. Sure. So this this ultimately is coming down to, I think this this conversation ultimately comes down to, uh, do we care about the viability of the organization long term, or do we care about the viability of the player long term, and not not necessarily the Kelly Fishers or the Allison Fishers. Like we're talking, like you said, the Ashley Burrows or the Brittany Bryants, or I think the organization. I think or, even, or, I think they all want to be part of the association. I think they all want to be part of a team. They all want to be. They all want to have a WPBA sure. attached. If there was no WPBA. There's there's no connection to these women playing pool other than the fact that they go play in tournaments all over the place. So, but you know, but you you would agree just as well as I would that if you're asking these players, uh, you know, let's if if you take if you win every single one, let's say, let's say you, let's say you get second at every single one of these events, that was five thousand dollars for second place. Uh, uh, yes, Allison, hey, fifty two hundred dollars, making sixty thousand dollars a year, not even. 50, 56 or uh, $52,000 a year. If you, if you get second place oh, for 10 at every single one of these events, $52,000 yeah. no, before yeah. expenses, yeah. before expenses, that's not enough to live on. No, obviously not. Yeah. So obviously. the idea is like, obvious. I, I think if you had 20, then, then it would be enough events. I, I, I think the idea is like, I would love to see if you have 20, they have no opportunity to play in another event because there'd be two events a month. Yeah, so, exactly, you know, it's yeah. just, so that's, that's kind of a numbers game too. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to tell uh, women that in the four weeks between one tournament to the next, 
you can't play in a tournament around your area, um, you know, to, 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 you know, and, and what she's saying was, you know, some Kelly Fisher walks into a, you know, regional event and everybody's playing for second place. And, you know, that does impact a little bit, but that's, that's up to the players to decide whether that makes them look good or bad. Um, you know, but again, it's just, it's, there's, there's, there's a fine line there and I give them credit for trying to find what it is. I don't like the one that they found necessarily, but, um, but again, I'm never going to argue against uh, a player's association having a board that tries to do things on behalf of the whole players group. What I would, you know, what it would be really awesome to see uh, instead of the WPBA basically, you know, having their 10, it would be nice to create some sort of feeder system with these smaller events instead of like just excluding them and saying, Hey, you players cannot play in them. Use them kind of like as satellites where, uh, you know, of course the top 16 can't play in a satellite, uh, but everybody else can play in those satellites and the winners actually get invites to tournaments and actually find ways to include them and support them with the sponsors and the, the situations that you have is the WPBA get all of these smaller women events. Cause there aren't a ton of them out there. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, you know, if, uh, let me see if, um, if Renee is still in here, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I can't imagine there are more than 20 to 25 exclusive women, good events like the Texas open type of Dom, Dom says there's 50. <laughs> if he says there's 50, I'm saying he's wrong. I'm sure but, he's uh, right. The, as, as the, I, I would love to see with all these, let, let's just throw out a number. Let's say there's 20 good added money and by good, I mean like, uh, two to ten thousand dollar added events it would be nice maybe to see the wpba try to work with these events and try to create uh an actual like satellite type of thing where there is a feeder system to get into these bigger events if you're a 16 to 20 year old woman I'm, who's I'm trying sure to get sure the party. wpba would love something like that uh um, yeah sure the wpba would like something like that um but that's you know that's another step in the process so they're trying to get back to some level of you know um viability at this point which they haven't had in a number of years so uh let's give them a little bit of leeway to try to figure out how to get there i think they've gotten enough uh criticism or, or just you know helpful suggestions through this whole process to have another look at it and make sure they're doing the right thing um, yep. so yeah and i think and, and to, to, to give them credit uh they've come on two podcasts now whether you know mine and uh joey and uh mike's and they've talked about it so they're they're willing to talk about their policies and defend them and say why they're doing them uh the idea that they're at least willing to do that i mean it's it's good i i like the idea that they're at least willing to talk about their decisions and why they are the way that they are and you can you can agree or you can disagree with whatever they're doing, but the idea is they're they're at least standing behind their decision and trying to be as transparent as possible as to why it's the case. And you know, for a lot of the promoters that happen in pool, I mean, that's that level of at least that level of openness to talk about it is kind of refreshing. Even if you know, know. and at the end of the day, maybe they'll take some of this criticism and they'll build it into their next contract. Hopefully, I'd like to see them revisit this year's, but that's. Well, I, I think we'd all like the idea of being able to watch April Larson play, right? I mean, she's... Well, I mean to me, it's not about April Larson. I mean, too much of this has been, you know, she she's kind of the lightning rod that started the whole discussion. But, you know, whether or not, um, you know, she's being punished with someone else being able to play there, whether or not she's a top 16 player, all that stuff, that's that's not important to me. The important to me is that, they, that they're trying to figure out a right decision and that they, that they end up getting to something that makes the most sense for everybody. Sure. 
I, I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, I guess it's it's nice that there's enough media out there that uh, is at least holding them accountable for the decisions that they make. We're uh, able that's to talk what we about. do. We hold people's feet to the fire, Nate. Yeah, that's it's in our blood. I think that was. I don't know. I felt like we just had a moment there, Mike. Felt good. <laughs> felt nice. So, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I would have liked to discuss. Of course, Dean not being able to get his connection. And he only had 35 to 40 minutes to begin with. So that's the reason he didn't try to join back in when he got booted out. He actually had a, a prior commitment. And it's a bummer that we didn't actually get to, um, I guess, discuss more of this. Because they, they do have a lot of things. Maybe we'll have to get him back on in the future when he has a better internet connection. But he does have a lot of huge plans. And not just him, the entire board. They... Like I said, on Tuesday, I have my three criteria. I want to see uh, no red lines. I want to see consistent growth. And I want to see, um, you know, just consistent decisions. And they do have a lot of things in the works that they are working on for next year to to work on that growth. And, you know, right now, I think I can see a lot of the discussions that we had back in 2017 with the, the decisions that Matchroom was making that we didn't like either. And now, if, if you, you know, if you go back to 2017 with how angry people were and you basically tell them in 2017, this is what pool is going to look like in five years from now. Are you willing to accept these decisions Matchrooms are making? Everybody in the world is going to be like, heck, yeah, that's actually real growth. I love it. Yeah, OK, I'm going to shut my mouth now. And, you know, this is this I don't think this is a huge deal. And I don't think that the matchroom decisions in 2017 were that big of a deal either, but you know, if you make enough of them, it pisses people off and they want to talk about it. Maybe in five years from now, we're looking back and we're like, what were we seriously complaining about stuff like that five years ago with the growth that could happen? I'd well, love to see it. Disagree with what they're doing right now. You're going to disagree with it five years from now because you know, you can change as you go through those five years and, and no, and, no, there's, and there's no way that you as you start, no as you start making the the events bigger and adding more events, then you can add more restrictions. Then it makes more sense. Then you've got more at stake. Okay. And the argument right now with a lot of people is they're not at that point now to hold a gun to somebody's head. That's that's well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple. That's what. It, but if if five years from now they have a hundred thousand dollar added events and they have ten, one hundred, or even let's let's and they let's can just tell say, you exactly what events you can can and can't play in with nobody yes. arguing with you. Exactly. That's what I mean. Maybe maybe in five years from now they have uh, they have five events on the calendar that are a hundred thousand added. They have five more that are fifty thousand. They have five more that are thirty, and they have five more that are twenty. They got twenty events total, and they're telling April Larson that if you even if you even think about playing a single weekly event, you're kicked out of the tour for life. People are going to be like, "Well, okay, that's fine. You you have the opportunity to make three hundred thousand dollars a year if you play well." You know, and then if she makes this decision, you know, people are like, "Well, yeah, I can see both sides." Right now, we're kind of and. and Again, it's April, so we everybody in the world loves April. So I mean, it, it's probably became a bigger deal than it had to be just because it's April and everybody loves her. You know, would this would this have blown up as like it did if it was, well, you know, they... Jessica X or whatever? Who knows? But I think uh, if five years from now we have real growth and the players have opportunities to make a living exclusively from the tour, and you you know you're mad that you can't play in a one thousand dollar added event in Texas. I like to give the benefit of the doubt and let let the uh, let the companies lose my trust as opposed to not giving it to them to start with. And maybe that's just me being an idiot. I don't know. No comment. <laughs> oh, where'd you go, Mike? Oh, what's going on? <laughs> I don't think this is the last time we're going to be discussing this, but you know, it, it's it's uh, you know it's it's fun discussion. Yeah.
Yeah, I, I think it's, I think, well, at the end of the day, if we have a media that holds the um, organizations accountable, uh, I think that's, I think that's very important, right? I mean, the media, you know, everybody in the world hates the media these days. Um, I don't know if Pool gets that as much as, you know, let's say Fox News or CNN or something like that, you know, I'm but close. everybody, everybody hates, everybody hates those organizations, but whatever you want to say about them, a media is absolutely required to hold different organizations accountable for stuff. And I think uh, the fact that we're having this discussion, the fact that they're willing to come on and talk about it, I think it's very important for the accountability that this industry really, really, really needs. No, it's, it's it's fun discussion. You got reinforcements, Mike. You've been doing this alone for about 30 years. How does it feel? <laughs> it means someone else has an opinion. I don't like it. Oh, well, yeah. sorry. Yeah. What, uh, what, what, do you have any closing thoughts then? What do you think? Um, no, I mean, I think it was nice to get their perspective on it. I think maybe the people who were, you know, uh, on the, podcast listening to when Lori John was on got a little different view, uh, maybe a little more even keeled view of what's going through the thought process. Uh, doesn't mean that, you know, everybody's minds have been changed, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's good to, it was a good topic. It was a good conversation and uh, we'll see what happens going forward. Sure. Do you, uh, do you have any interest in talking about the Christina to catch or uh, Margaret Fefalova situations? Since it's coming up in the comments a well, couple times, I mean that's a whole different. That's a that's a whole show if you want to hear it because it's it's um, you know is it is it fair? You know, no. Everybody loves these players. Um, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. I, I understand all that argument. Um, and there's you know the WPA kowtowing to the IOC saying, okay, if they say we can't have these people play, but there's, a, I think there's a lot of different things that would need to come into discussion that people would want to talk about. Um, you know, you know, safety issues, you know, things like that. Okay. And, and everybody here, you know, all the U S fans, they're like, everybody loves Federer. Everybody loves Christine. Everybody loves Margo. You know, who's going to say a bad thing about him? Well, you know what? You're in the U S you're not an Eastern European player playing in the world championship. You're not an Eastern European player playing in the, you know, the, the event in Las Vegas. Don't tell me how they're going to react if they play someone from Russia or Belarus. You, you can't tell, you know, it's just, and, and I'm not saying people are going to start throwing fists, but if, if things get uncomfortable, if things, is that, is that worth putting people into that situation? I mean, that's a real thing. Um, whether it's someone, well, fan, some fan in the crowd who drinks too much and decides to take on, you know, a Russian player, it just, it's just kind of, you, you don't know those things ahead of time. So you try not to put your foot in something you're not going to be able to get out of. Let me ask you this question, uh, because <clears throat> for anybody who's not good with geo uh, geography, um, you have Russia, you have Russia, and then you have. Oh, I'm going to be really bad with this. Basically, Ukraine is neighbor to Russia, obviously. But on the other side of that is Poland. If we had Poland as, like, can you name a single Ukrainian player? I unfortunately cannot. I, I mean, I wish I could, but I, I can't name a Ukrainian player. No. 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 So what happens if Ukraine was Poland? Because they're right next to each other. And of course, you know, there, there's rumors, of course, that uh, Russia will, if, if, this would have worked out that they would have ended up taking Lithuania, um, Belarus, uh, Poland. They would have ended up expanding even more. And I think I think the fact that you can't necessarily talk about a Euro, 
a Ukrainian pool player, you don't really know how they're affected. But could you imagine if they actually invaded Poland, how many Polish players there are? And well, we're getting I mean, we like went through this. Up- we went through this with Victor when he won, you know, the European championship. His girlfriend's Ukrainian. She was fighting to get into Poland to get out of the thing. And, and he had to play a Russian player. And he talked about how it really he almost had to play bothered him. him. It really bothered him. No, he did. He, he, did. he had to play Sergei Lusker. And, and so, you know, we don't know what's going through our minds, but but I think we kind of got a little bit off topic because for one, this isn't about politics. Two, I think maybe what 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 Don was talking about when he was introducing that was um, have have Christina and Margaret signed WPBA contracts, which now says that they can't play in other tournaments while they're being barred from playing in WPBA events. I don't know what oh, the answer I, to that. I didn't know that. Okay, that's, so that's, I, I, it's a really good. It's a really good question. I don't know what the answer to that is. I suppose that you know he may know. Well, worst case uh, scenario, what what's going to end up? I I guess what are the ramifications of if I guess we don't know this because we don't have a contract. I guess uh, I guess we'll have to we'll have to figure this out. I'll have to do some research on that and figure it out because uh, you know, what's the worst case scenario if they do play in them, right? So the idea is they play in an event that they're not supposed to. They are in violation of their contract, and then what are they? Did are they just kicked out of all the WPBA? They're already banned by the WPBA. What are you going to do? Ban them again? Um, yeah. So, well, yeah, the idea is: are you banned I mean, for guess, five years? Are you banned what, for one year? Are you banned for? I'm saying is that is that they have signed WPBA contracts and that they can't. Um, okay, so now Renee saying so Renee, they did sign. They agreed to release them. Okay. And so, Sam is saying they're fine. So they can play in any event that they want to play. Okay. Is, that, is that what we're looking for, Dom? I'm just trying, I'm just trying to get out of this without getting crucified. <laughs> yeah. So Renee is saying they're released. Um, Tam is saying that they are fined. I, I what's the fine? Yeah. Renee, yeah. can you can you speak to that? What I, I sounds like sounds I guess, like they're okay to play in whatever they want to play in while they're being. Okay, uh, so they're being they're fined the and they're released. And so what's the fine? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. See what we do for you, Dom. You know, we're here to answer all questions, get things cleared up. Um, yeah. We're the, we're the people's podcast. You're the people's champ and we're the people's <laughs> podcast. It's, it's like the, uh, um, I mean, they would be if like they were those news so, hotlines where we'll get, you know, that car warranty that they won't, they won't honor. We'll get that fixed for you. I guess I, I guess I probably should have just sent uh, Renee an invite to this too at, at this point. So. <laughs> Renee seems to have all the answers. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's good that they can play wherever. And, I, and I, I'm looking forward to them being able to play in any event. Like, I'm looking forward to Fetter being able to play in any event. As far as another question about Billy, Billy Thorpe playing in the Las Vegas. Yeah, what is – what I, I, I question that too. I'm not really sure what the heck that's all so about. I, I don't know what – I don't know exactly what the situation on it is, but I've been in touch – for months. Last I heard, he never even got down, or he never even got a, a fine, or not a fine, but like he never even got what his punishment was. From what I understand, that's correct. I, I've been in touch with the WPA with Ian Anderson for months, and I keep asking him, has there been an official thing on Billy Thorpe? And he keeps telling me no, that WADA, the World Dandy Drug Association, has not actually still to this day, almost a year later, given the WPA the actual uh, uh stipulation of of what the fine is for for billy thorpe so i think maybe maybe at this point billy's playing because he's kind of like in limbo and they haven't told him he can't play so he's playing which means he could have played in everything for the past year as it is 
because they haven't actually issued a fine. I don't know what the answer to that well, is honestly, either. I honestly, I'll tell you this. And Ian, an if, the w- morning. if the if the WPA is going to give him a suspension and they have not done it within a year, um, honestly, burn the whole damn thing down. Burn the it's WPA to w- the ground. Listen, this- it's not a WPA issue. WPA gets, in, like the IOC, they get their marching orders on this from the World Anti-Drugging, Anti-Drug Association. Okay? WADA. Okay. WADA does the testing. WADA does the results. WADA issues the fine. If WADA hasn't issued a, the, the final stipulation to WPA at this point, they don't have anything to go on. So you're telling me right now that the WPBA, or sorry, the WPA could not have gone to them and say, "Hey, what's going on with this? We have a player sure. that has a livelihood." Yeah, I'm sure that they have. And sure it's, they have. It's taken and if a year. they haven't gotten an answer from the W from from WADA, then I don't know what the what the response would be. So you're speculating right now that you don't know this. I don't know this. I'm, I'm basing it on what Ian Anderson has told me in emails. So they're they trying to—they're trying they to get an get answer, but they won't give one. An and they haven't gotten one. And I—I I, I mean, I guess if you have it in email, sure. But I—I just—I—I I don't. Something about that doesn't—that just doesn't fly with me. I—I I, I no, just don't understand. Fly, doesn't fly with me either. But I'm just saying—I'm just saying what I've been told. Yeah, I mean, I—I I just hate the idea of that. Like, if if uh, if if you if you have one of your players, you just can't leave a player in the dark having zero idea what to do because at the end of the day all the money that he makes if this fine comes down he has to pay back all the way back to last year in the 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 world 10 ball he ended up making like three thousand whatever dollars it was in that tournament he has to pay that back plus everything else he's made since then in any wpa sanctioned event so you're telling me that he's gonna make events since then well correct except for this one so what happens if he goes off and snaps it off That, well, th- this is my point, right? Like, you can't, you can't just like keep uh, somebody who's trying to make a livelihood in the dark about whether or not they can make a livelihood. I just, I hate yeah, the idea. Not arguing with you. And I, I think the WPA should be doing everything in its power to get him his answers. This wouldn't happen in golf. This wouldn't happen Listen, in tennis. The WPA is, you know, I, I, I know I sound contradictory because I always defend the WPA's existence. Okay, which I will always defend, but. The WPA in its current state is a shambles and it's a jellyfish. To, to, to send someone an email 20 times in the past 12 months asking for status update on things like, you know, Billy Thorpe and getting no answers is just beyond ridiculous. We, we would all agree on that. But, you know, I haven't got an answer. So there's not, there's, I can't argue any more than, than that. I, I mean, I, I guess. <laughs> As my reporter, my I'm putting my reporter hat on, and I want to see the stamps. If you if you sent these emails, you have you have a record of it, and I want to see the record of it. Oh, if these, you are, haven't, these are confidential sources. I never give away confidential sources, Nate. Come on, that's the number one rule of reporting. No, I mean I, I'd be happy to share emails from Ian Anderson for the past year that have given me two responses of there's been no update on Billy. Okay, what do you want me to do? What? Well, well, I'm not saying yours. I want to see Ian's. I want to see Ian's. I want to see Ian's messages to them because you know that if this was tennis or that this was golf, there'd be there would be an answer within a week. There'd probably be an answer within a, a few days. So, they may not do care you, about but do they care about their reputation in the industry? Because I, I feel like if uh, I don't know, I don't know. I got nothing. 
I wish I wish that that wasn't the case. Okay, here's my latest. Here's my latest email interaction from Ian regarding Billy Thorpe. As for Billy Thorpe, this is a WADA issue. The WPA have no knowledge about their procedures and with the privacy laws around such matters, I certainly don't want to speculate. The matter is being dealt with and I have no idea when a result will be determined. <laughs> You're right about it starting to come on 12 months. This test was taken last September. Okay, what do you do with that? <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so I'm really interested in uh, to find out you know, we'll have to get our, we got boots on the ground out there, Nate. We got to get our man Molina to, to dig into, you know, who allowed Billy Thorpe to play and under what, you know, under what rules. Because, you know, the, the I'm sure that the Predator doesn't want to be in Dutch with the WPA or the IOC or whoever on their sanctioning because they let a player who was banned play. So there had to be some discussion on their part with the WPBA or WPA or somebody about what allowed Billy to play. We just need to find out what that is. So I'm leaving it to you to dig up Molina, get him on this show and give us the lowdown on what happened. Okay. You're the man to do it, Nate. I got faith in you. Get her done. Got faith in me to do what? To get Molina to tell us what the heck. What are we talking about why again? Billy is, why Billy is playing in, in I, Vegas. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> I'm working on getting a board, a spot on the uh, WPA board. You see what I did there? <laughs> All right. All right. With that being said, we can close this out. Uh, I think we had a pretty good discussion today, but we might have to get Dean back on it when he uh, has his full arsenal of uh, hamsters. I think he is. Uh, he had a couple hamsters out on COVID today, yeah. so we'll have cool. to get him back on when it matters. So we can talk about the future of the WPA. But other than that, uh, Mike, thanks again for joining me, and get back to work. Figure yep. out what's going on. I'll do that. All right. Thanks, Later. everybody. Thanks again for tuning in.